You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about how sales reps should most effectively handle and prepare for the reality that more C-level executives are joining sales calls today. Thank you, pandemic. To help us, we have with us Tiago Safrede, Chief Revenue Officer at Chorus.ai. Tiago, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chad, and well done on my was last Was it all right? Name, I was going to ask. <laughs> it was really good. Well done. I appreciate that. Some of the best I've heard. I appreciate yeah. that. All right, so before we jump in, we always like to ask a random question to uh, help our audience get to know you better as a person. And, and really, I'm always curious to understand, you know, a lot of people will know our digital personas, our work brand, that kind of stuff. But something that, that you're passionate about that those that know you largely through work may be surprised to learn about. Yeah, it's a great question. I'll, I'll go down the personal side um, on this one, and it, and, it, and it may not be that that interesting um, for your listeners, but Portuguese was my first language, English was my second language, Spanish was my third language. So I am extremely passionate about Hispanic and Brazilian soap operas. What? So that is how I keep up with my language skills. So you know, if we got an extra, uh, about thirty minutes every day for for a little bit of TV. That's what I focus on. How can I watch some Hispanic or Brazilian soap operas to keep up with my language? That is awesome. (laughs) I haven't heard that before. I hope that's a first. It is a first. It is definitely a first. And and I appreciate you sharing it. And uh, the immersion thing, languages is something I've never been very very good at. I'm always impressed with those that know more than one, obviously in your case three, but just impressive all the way around. So I appreciate you sharing that. So in terms of the topic of the day, right, with the pandemic hits, we see a huge shift in the number of executives involved in buying decisions. It's like they came out of the ivory tower and now they're involved in the sales process. We couldn't get to them before. Now we can't avoid them, and, and which is probably yeah. a good thing. But it changes the dynamic, right? And so I'm curious, when you think about your team, right, that you have to coach and lead in your sales organization, how are you preparing them for this new reality or asking them to be prepared? What new expectations are you setting for them or coaching them towards? Yeah, so I think first it starts with the, the concept that, hey, this is something new. We weren't seeing this happen, especially as early as it's happening now um, across the sales process. And it's important to quantify it. So through our data, we analyzed about 35 million customer-facing conversations, sales calls um, included. C-suite participation is up roughly 108% uh, compared to uh, a year ago which is absolutely insane when you really put it into perspective. As you mentioned, it was really tough to get these people involved uh, back in the day. <laughs> and it's, it's good to see the, the differences in, in what C-level folks are joining conversations. So buying side CFOs, for example, have joined 92% more meetings and selling side CEOs even about 29% more. And, and it really comes down to this higher scrutiny on budget and then is also access because it's a lot easier for someone to just hop on a Zoom compared to you if you're a high ACV company going and visiting somebody and ensuring that all the executives are available um, for a meeting um, on that same day 
in person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's interesting on the, on the selling side, I think there's probably a lot of people out there would say, yeah, you know, our executives got a little worried. So of course they got a little bit more involved in the, in the, you know, selling process as, as it were, but to know that CFOs, the, the elusive CFO, right. Having been a, <laughs> having been and continuing to be a commission-based sales rep, I mean, to get access to them was always, you know, the, the Holy grail and now they're there, but it changes the way you have to be prepared as you go into these conversations. And so when you think about the sales cycle, are they showing up earlier in the, in the process, in the middle of the process, you know, how, how are the, how are they showing up? Where are they showing up kind of more consistently? Yeah, they, they're showing up at, at every stage. And one of the interesting things that, that you need to think about is you need to ensure that your team is prepared for that C-level uh, conversation at any time. So we're even seeing that CXOs will turn up to a meeting they weren't even invited to <laughs> approximately 10% of the time. So you need to anticipate their involvement, even if they weren't confirmed. So some of the, some of the ways that, that you can do that is one, by ensuring you have those talk tracks built out and your team's trained on it, including the content necessary for that. You need to ensure that your teams are coached uh, to establish what I call extreme ROI. So if you can really speak to how your solution solves a critical business problem and delivers on that bottom line benefit, that these C-level folks are typically looking for, you're going to have a much greater chance of closing a deal. And then, Chad, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and talk a little bit about the fact that once they're in there, do you get them talking? You know, what, what are the indications that you need to see? And some interesting stats that, that we have for your listeners is that CXOs tend to talk about 8.5% more in deals that close. And we're seeing about five engaging questions to get that conversation going with those CXOs. Uh, All right, wait, that's an important stat. So do me a favor, say that one again, because I want to make sure that the audience catches it. Actually, I want yeah. to make sure I catch it too. So we got to get CXOs talking. That's an important concept. Sometimes we, we like to think of them as they're going to be more observers, et cetera. When CXOs speak, 8.5% more deals close. Wow. All right, just jotting that down. Sorry, Chad. I just I just said it, and I I just remember that I did not say that that right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so let me correct myself. <laughs> CXOs talk eight point five percent more in deals that close. Eight point five percent more in deals that close. All right. So we want them talking. We want them, we want to get them talking. Now that's a challenge for a lot of reps, right? Because a lot of the reps out there have been. You know, we, we, we bring them into a company, we train them, they drink the Kool-Aid, we tell them how awesome we are, we unleash them on the world, and, and it's not unusual that they go out and, and want to talk about themselves over and over and over. And so the ability to really, you know, you hit a key point, be prepared, but to ask the right types of questions to engage that conversation. I think you mentioned five questions. When you think about, you know, teaching your teams and coaching your teams, how are you coaching them to ask the right questions to open up that conversation? Yeah, so, you know, so like an example of a, of, a, of a great question that we're seeing work really well across our customer base is there, there, there are obvious outcomes that all these organizations are, are looking to achieve. And a great question to, to really find out how much this matters is to ask that, that CXO, if the problem was solved immediately, what would be the impact on your business? Love it. That is one question that really gets people going. 
Well, it makes them start thinking, right? It also then, it also exactly. then allows them to, if they're especially if they're a verbal processor, to to step through and really get to that future state. Think about that future state of what does this resolution really provide for the organization, so they can start to sketch out what the value is from their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And what's also really important, if we're talking about this in, in the CXO, is that C-level executives they also care a lot more about how your company's vision and the outcomes that you drive, how it aligns within their own value proposition. So help, so dive into that for me. So, so give, give, kind of maybe you have an example or can paint a, paint a picture for us. Yeah, so for example, like someone that is selling to me right now right, at Chorus AI, and our ultimate goal is to help revenue teams deliver better results. That's really as simple as it, as it can. And to dive a level deeper is we want to enable people to bring their best to every uh, interaction that they have, and then also to bring the voice of the customer at every decision that they make internally. So if someone that's coming and selling um, to me is able to align what they provide, for example, I'll state that we're really looking at our contract lifecycle management process right now something that we're, we're, we're actively looking into. And what I'm really inspired by are, are some of the vendors that have focused on how that drives to our ultimate outcomes. And to us is we want to enable our customer the best to every interaction and to bring the voice of the customer to every decision that they make internally. And if you're able to align the fact, for example, in the contract lifecycle management that the engagement that we're going to have with customers is going to help enable them to buy into our solution faster with a cleaner process so they can start realizing that value much earlier than otherwise if we were doing things manually. Right. right? So that's just a quick example I just thought of off the top yeah, of my no, head. Yeah, no, I love it. And so, so the question that becomes, I mean, for those that have been living under a rock, I think, I think everybody knows who Chorus.ai is um, and, and what you do, but it's a large company, large team. It just out of curiosity, how big is the, the sales team over there? So yeah, we got roughly 50 okay. people at this, at this point and scaling rapidly. Right. So yeah, we will close out the year at roughly 135. Okay. And so when you, when you are in those situations, right, we've got a new reality. We've got, we've got more C-level people involved in the conversation. They have to be you know, prepared right? as we walk into those conversations. They need to be asking the right questions. How do you start to ensure that there's consistency across your team, consistency of behavior right? from, from one rep to the next in the way that they act, um, ask those questions or prepare? Yeah. That's a good segue into exactly what Chorus AI does. And that's what we're focused on that. So we have what we call trackers where we're tracking if our team is actually following the contracts <laughs> that we establish for them. And not only that, who cares about just tracking, <coughs> right? Are, are these talk tracks being utilized or not? Or are they actually driving outcomes? So are we seeing better conversion rates? What's leading us to win right. more? or lose more. And then also, are we getting better velocity? So from stage to stage, are we moving uh, deals across the board quicker? Right. Yep. So that's, that's how we, we, we do it now. So it starts with obviously the enablement function in building these assets for our, our teams. And then it goes with actual the measuring of that impact, which we 
drink our own champagne and utilize our our solution for it. nice nice all right and so you know we're scaling fast over there we're gonna have a big team it's going up we've got people we've got to prepare but now even though we're coming out we were kind of talking about this before we hit record we're coming out hopefully on the downside of the pandemic and, and headed back to some semblance of something closer to a new normal uh, i hate that phrase but it'll everything will be a little yeah, bit different what, what but does that even mean <laughs> hopefully yeah. we'll get back to closer to what we all know and love but let's say there are those out there that really felt the the impact right of the of the catastrophic change that had to happen how does somebody i don't want to say pandemic proof because that makes makes me think we might have another one and i just don't know that i can handle that right now but let's say how do i how do i work or how should people be working to make sure that they're kind of bomb proofing their their sales pipeline in the future for unforeseen circumstances yeah that's a that's a great question. If I if I have the silver bullet for that, <laughs> right? I would I would have loved to share that with your uh, with your listeners, but I don't. But I'm I'm a big believer that that any experience such as the one that we just went through it leads to lifelong changes. And I've 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 always thought of things that way. There there have been various occurrences in my lifetime that quite frankly have changed me for for the good, right? And and also in terms of how I look at the world and one one aspect of that is i i think this has required all of us to level up in our game especially in the go-to-market right. side right. And marketing leaders sales leaders but then also on the on the on the, on the technical side as well in terms of how you adapt your pro uh your your product and the problems that you're solving for and to some extent the the pivots that you've made so it's helped our teams become a little more agile right we all had these great plans for what our, uh, depending on, on your fiscal works, your FY20 uh, or FY21 was going to, to look like, but we all had to quickly pivot, change our talk track, right? We all remember that we're human, first and foremost. And I have to check, hey, when I'm prospecting somebody, what's going on where they're at and potentially across their, their lives, right? And, that, and I think that's, that's going to create long-term changes. And to me, it's, there's going to be an even tighter focus than before on how our sales, CS, and, and, and marketing teams are aligning to extreme ROI and how we can enable our teams and our message to give uh, this perception to potential buyers that we are a must-have rather than a nice-to-have. And their, whatever their critical business problems are, in order for, for them to see success in those areas, they need to have our solution. And it's a little bit different than, than what a lot of companies were doing before that were, that were much more focused on features and strictly use case based type of approaches. And I, I think that's here to stay. Yeah, and I, I think it's probably, you know, I'm with you on the, you know, we all have, we have choice every morning when we get up. What kind of day is it going to be, right? What kind of person we want to be? We have this opportunity to be, and I like your phrase, more human, right? And we're seeing that in all the stats you see on, you know, people engaging in virtual. Like, hey, the, the cute virtual backgrounds are out. People want to know you got dirty laundry behind you or, you know, you got other people in the house. They want to see the human side of it so that we can connect. But it's also about what, what really is going to be the win for the person on the other side. What is, what is their view of, of value? How are they going to quantify the impacts? And I think that focus is going to be a boon for us in the sales profession, hopefully get us away from the tired cliches of you know slick and not trustworthy to a, a place where we're really more of a buying Sherpa, 
right? How do we help them get to where they're going to have the outcomes that they want? Now, in all of this, in all of the pandemic and all of the changes that everything, everybody's going through, how do you, coming into, you know, we're at the end of, as we're recording this, end of Q1 of 21, how do you get the team excited coming into a new year or a new quarter? How do you get them focused and re-energized, you know, when some of them may not be embracing the opportunity for uh, self-evolution as much as others, let's say? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's, it's, this is something I learned uh, back in my uh, responses days, which was a, a cross-channel marketing platform. That's where I spent six or seven years of, of my, my career. And uh, we, we had a new sales leader come on board by the name of Jason Zintak. He's, he's now the CEO of uh, Sixth Sense. And he, he established this sense of a, of a monthly rigor instead of a quarterly rigor. And it's, we basically run the business monthly. And by doing that, and that's something that I adopted moving forward across my, my career, it, it really helps ensure that people stay focused day in and day out. It's not that you're always measuring, hey, what are we gonna do for the quarter? What are we gonna do for the next quarter? That still happens. But to drive a special emphasis on monthly rigor and that we establish and hit goals every single month, it really ensures that people stay focused day in and day out. And on two key areas, right? What our team, needs to do to be successful, but then also what our customers need to do um, to be successful. So that, that's one way that I've, that I've seen work really well. And it just, it's almost like we celebrate the wins that we've had for that month or even that quarter, but it's always that monthly rhythm. Yeah. And the second is uh, this concept that, that I built with, with uh, my team when I, was, when I was at Huddle called TACO. And TACO uh, stands for Trust, Accountability, Coaching, and Ownership. And each one of those, it aligns to yourself, to the rest of the company, and then to your customers. And that's something that people have really bought into in my organizations, and it, and it helps guide them to have that second level purpose in what they're doing day in and day out to keep that motivation high. So trust, accountability, what, coaching, what was? Coaching ownership and ownership. Right. And what that, what that leads is that everyone in our revenue organization is a CEO of their own part of Chorus. So that sense, and it, that's, that's why it ends with ownership, that sense of true ownership, it helps drive and ensure that people are focused and they're ready to hit their numbers and help our customers be successful. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the, and it, it taps into, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Daniel Pink and the, the research that they all did on what it is that motivates human beings and it's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And, and that aligns very nicely with that in terms of empowering people, giving them the ownership and the opportunity to do, you know, the best work they can. And then we as, as leaders get to help hopefully coach them so their vision gets bigger in terms of what they can accomplish or what they can add uh, to the organization and to the team. Does that seem like a fair assessment? Yeah, very similar. I'll, I'll go a step further on there though, and it's something that I push heavily across our, our, our management team is it's important to find each individual's purpose, right? Because it's gonna be different depending on the person. And that to me is the only way that you are able to achieve that epic performance. The, the being the best version of, your, of yourself is, is how we discuss it internally. And by, by tapping and finding what is your overall purpose and how does chorus help you obtain that purpose and fulfill that purpose, that's how we get peak performance across our teams. And, Ultimately, that drives outcomes for our customers. And, and I love it because that—that that is, a, yeah, I would, I, 
I don't want to be pandering to others. That <laughs> it's a very enlightened approach, is what I would say, right? In terms of how do I sit down and help an individual understand, you know, what is their purpose? Now, when you do that, do you find that in the majority of cases when you're coaching your teams that most people know what their purpose is? Or is there also an element uh, in the leadership and the management and the coaching where we might have to help them realize what, it, what their purpose may be? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's often the, uh, the most common answer is I've never thought of it. <laughs> truly thought about that before. Yep. Right. That's the that's the most common reaction, and yeah, and that's where you can you can help guide them on what gets you excited about getting out of bed every day. Right. And it and it, and it oftentimes it people will go straight to the business elements. You're like, no, it's just like truly like think about your broader surroundings, your community, your family, what's happening around the world, how you envision you know what the world could look like in in ten, twenty right. years. Right. What's your what's your all and then and it and it helps guide people to to find that that purpose. Yeah. Did you find? I just out of curiosity, and I know we're way off script here in the, on the questions I sent. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it happens. But, but I love this stuff, right? So, have you found? I mean, and I'll you know I'll just be vulnerable on my side. I can I can say that what I've experienced over the last year plus in the pandemic and some of the personal losses or things that I've encountered as a result, it it shortened. It kind of brought forward that time horizon. Like you said, what's, what's the world look like in 10, 20 years? And maybe it's also because I'm getting a little bit older. But we, we'll, we'll ignore that for a second. <laughs> so, but have you found that some people's horizon has shortened? Like it's become more of a focus for them because for the first time in a long time, we have a true, truly shared global experience as human beings. We've all experienced this in some way or another. Have you seen some of your team members kind of not worry, not necessarily, I don't want to say worry, but maybe not focus 10 years out, but focus two years out or focus on, on more of the now. Are you seeing the team be more present in the moment? A hundred percent. And that, and again, that's, that's from what's happening around us. I think everyone, everyone had a level of uncertainty over the last year and a half that most have never felt before. And we're very blessed to be in that position, right? That a pandemic was what really helped us have to consider things more in the day by day and truly lose control and be in this all together. So that, that has definitely changed people's perceptions on what planning for the future looks like just due to the environment around us. It's hard to know exactly what the world's going to look like next week. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, Even, those of us that so. thought we knew have just been given a global slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really pessimistic. I was like, I don't think I don't I I I'm not going to get this vaccine. No one's going to get the vaccine till you know next year. And from this one, right? I was very pessimistic about about this, and now we're seeing right millions of people get vaccinated across the world and business open up again, etc. It, it's hard to measure though, and to and to really foresee that when that all that will right. happen. Right. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two yeah, standard questions at the end of each interview. First is simply, as a chief revenue officer, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people out there. And I'm always curious, especially as the world has changed, right? What is it if somebody doesn't have a referral in, they don't, they don't have that trusted reference in, what is it that works for you personally to capture your attention and have somebody earn the right to time on your calendar? Yeah, I do think depending on the executive, there, there are different approaches that will work and you should, you should try various things. But for me, what really works is when people tie how their solutions helped 
an organization similar to mine, even better if it's in a similar space, it really gets my attention. Even if it's a quick two lines about it, it gets me leaning in. And I love reading prospecting emails. I don't, I don't, I don't always respond. The reason why I do it is because I'm looking for great stuff to send right. to my team <laughs> to utilize. So I, I, I really pay uh, close attention. And uh, I, I really believe, like I said, in this, in this concept of ownership. So most of the time, what I, what I will do is I'll forward it to the respective leader that's responsible for that function. That is what I typically do. And I'll encourage a conversation, but I do believe in this concept of total ownership. So unless something is very geared towards me and something that I would be the one owning directly, I would oftentimes send it to one of my direct reports that owns that particular function. And, that, and there are a lot of people who won't even go that far, right? So that's where, and I think that's, a, that's where the rubber hits the road on that concept of ownership. And it's like, hey, we have... We're, we all have a tendency to keep our head down, right? We're, we're so focused on the trees, we miss the forest often. And being able to at least, unless it's a horrible, horrible, horrible prospect, you know, <laughs> at least being aware of what's going on in the organization, I think that accomplishes two things. One, it shows the type of leader and team player that you are. But I think it, it just as a practice in general, it helps us stay aware of what our coworkers or other areas of the business may or may not be dealing with. All right, so last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales or marketing professionals, one piece of advice that you believe would help them hit their targets or exceed them, what would it be and why? Yeah, this is an easy one for me. So it really comes down to just ensuring that your pre-sales and your post-sales process are based 100% on the buyer's journey in the customer outcomes and not on your internal processes. Uh, that, that is a really easy one for me to answer. And, and, and the reason for that is it removes friction. If you think about the, the, the little customer lifecycle, if you tie everything to customer outcomes in the buyer's journey, it removes unnecessary friction. It's gonna ensure that you're getting time to value for your customers much faster, at least to expansion at an accelerated rate. And it also drives your team overall to be more focused on the customer, especially if you're trying to create this mentality of customer obsession. And it's the first thing I do when I join a new organization. I rip apart the, cur the current customer journey, reanalyze it. For us, it's a lot easier. We can listen to thousands of calls and we also did interview some uh, customers as well and got, and got their feedback on their process. Uh, but Ultimately, that, that's the one thing that I recommend for, for everyone. Love it. All right, Tiago, if a listener's interested in learning more about you or more about Course, where's the best place for us to send them? We're on LinkedIn, website, microsite, what do you got? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best place. Absolutely. To, to find All right. Well, hey, Tiago, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks, Chad. It was all mine. <laughs> Hope this is helpful for your, uh, your listeners. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. B2BRevExec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Get your vaccination. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.